0: Hey, look at somebody and say, it's good to see you. Now look back at them and say, it's good to see me too, all right? Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Again, my name's Sam. I have the great privilege of being the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. And what that means is every single time I have the opportunity, I try to tell the greatest story ever told. Now, not because I'm some great communicator or it's even my story, but I believe this story is a story about Jesus, and Jesus is the greatest person to ever walk the face of the planet. I actually believe he's more than just a person. I believe he's God in the flesh. And so if you've ever asked the question, what is God like?, you don't have to look any further than the person of Jesus. And we believe the Bible is this story about Jesus. We say this around here. We say it's all about Jesus. We wrote it on the wall if you need some help. And what that means is you're going to need a Bible to follow along. And so if you forgot your Bible, we got you covered. You can just slip up your hand and one of our ushers will get one to you. And if you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. We pray that you take that, read it every single day, because every time you do, you get to meet with Jesus. Amen? Hey, man! Hey, turn in your Bible to the gospel of John. We started this series in the gospel of John last Easter, and we got a, a couple more Bibles right here, guys. Uh, and, um, luckily you had an off-duty usher behind you, uh, and, uh, wasn't his week, but he's looking at these other guys like, come on, uh, really, it's my week off. And, uh, so we started this series in the Gospel of John um, last Easter. We'll be in through this Easter as well. Uh, and I want you to turn to chapter 17 as this is one of the most uh, important passages in all of Scripture. And um, it stands um, as all Scripture, we believe, is God-breathed and inspired Uh, this particular passage gives us insight into the prayer of Jesus. Oftentimes people uh, call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaching the disciples to pray, but that wasn't the Lord Jesus's prayer. Here's a moment where Jesus is talking with the disciples and then he turns his eyes up to heaven and he begins to pray to the Father. And these words are recorded of his prayer. And so many of us pray and we, we, we have certain prayers and prayers are very personal. How much more would it be and how impactful is it that we have an opportunity this morning to read what the Lord Jesus prayed and to, uh, to hear his words and his heart? And what he asked of the Father. And so we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to tell you. um, And we're already mixing it up this morning. So you're in the rhythm. And uh, and yet... Uh, we're going to read the entirety of the prayer John 17 but then we're going to only deal with the first three verses and so for the next few weeks we're going to begin to have this as a routine and uh, at least a short-term tradition for us and so here's what I'd like you to do as we uh, pray uh, and join the prayer of Jesus I want you to just stand to your feet and we're going to read oftentimes this maybe if you were uh, in a, a, a more traditional church, maybe every time they read the scriptures they would say, "Stand for the reading of god 's word and we believe that all of the scripture is god 's word and and pointing to Jesus. but I thought uh, as we said at the end of the service, hey uh, I pray that you would uh, you would pray with uplifted hands. I want us to stand in attention, a posture of attention as we listen and uh, reflect reflect and allow the prayer of the Lord Jesus to sink into our hearts let me paint the scene just for a moment he's left the upper room of the Passover the last supper and he has is making his way to the garden of Gethsemane and uh he is uh Uh, turned his eyes after speaking uh, for many hours, all of the chapters from 14 on that we've been talking about. Words like, I am the vine and, and you are the branches. My father, the vine dresser. I am the way, the truth, and the life. After all of these famous words, he turns his eyes to heaven. John 17, when Jesus had spoke these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I come from you, and they have believed that you sent me. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because... They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for the sake I consecrate myself, that they may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask only for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may be all one, just as you, Father, in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that has been given because you love me before the foundations of the world. O righteous father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I've made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love of which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And everyone said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we'll be challenged and exhorted as for the next few weeks we look at this powerful prayer that you prayed and have left for us, that John would have, the Holy Spirit would bring back to John's remembrance all that you prayed. And here we are today, thousands of years later, still impacted by the very words that you spoke and the prayer that you prayed. We thank you. Let everything we say and everything we do bring glory to you and good to this valley. And everyone said, amen. amen. And this is a, a, a passage that we can, we can look at. And, and I've, I've heard many other pastors and theologians say, man, you could study this one particular uh, passage. A theologian could spend his entire career beginning to dissect and look at each individual line, and we could spend years in this particular chapter, and if you were to read this, as I want to each week read it in its entirety, and so uh, you're going to get your your stand-up, sit-down, stand-up workout. Uh, going uh, on and, and, and so make sure you wear comfortable shoes and I'll read as fast as I possibly can but we're, we're going to read this in its entirety for the next few weeks as we make our way through each section. because You need to hear it in, in its entirety but you can get lost very quickly in what Jesus is saying and you can your mind can begin to wonder about well what about this or what about that? I remember a pastor years ago as he was I was underneath his ministry and I was working for him and he was an incredible speaker and and he was trying to help me with my storytelling and and he heard one of my sermons and 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 I was telling about the the first time the story was about the first time as a young boy I grew up in eastern Kentucky and it's a very impoverished area but there aren't a lot of homeless Uh, they live in places that you would never live in in some areas but most people have homes or they move to somewhere warmer Uh, they may live on a shack on the the side of a hill and you may call them a hillbilly or a ridge runner but they got a house amen (laughs) and and so uh the original off-grid homesteaders in eastern Kentucky. And, and yet the first time I ever saw a homeless person in my life was in Atlanta, Georgia, when I was about nine years old and I was going to uh, see an Atlanta Braves baseball game with my dad. And, and I began to tell this story and, and I talked about being at the stadium and, and I talked about uh, how the, you know, the crowd was. And, and then I made this comment in the middle of my story. And so as I'm telling you this story, you're tracking for the, the most part. You just pictured Eastern Kentucky. You pictured uh, shacks on a hill, and I'm creating a word picture for you. Now you've transitioned to Atlanta, Georgia. You're picturing Atlanta, Georgia. I say the Atlanta Braves, and some of you are quickly like, yeah, Braves. We're like, oh, no, Braves. And, and, and <laughs> And, and you're just going through it. And, and now you're thinking about a baseball stadium. And, and maybe for you, if I were to say, man, I, I, I got uh, one of those uh, uh, hot dogs that were just a, a man, the smell uh, and the peanuts and, and the seventh inning stretch. And at that time, they were doing the mock arena on the seventh <laughs> inning stretch. And, and, and so as I'm telling you this story, you get you dive closer and further in into the story. And so uh, if if I'm skilled at what I do, I only give you details in the story that takes your imagination, your mind deeper into the story. But sometimes a speaker uh, can give a detail that will then send your mind out of the story and somewhere else. And so one of the details I gave was I was like, man, the stadium was amazing. This was the old stadium. It wasn't even the new stadium. And quickly, anyone who was around that area would go, when did they build a new stadium? Right? And so later, he was coaching me through, and he said, you should say the things like what I just did. I didn't do this the first time. You should talk about the crowd. You should talk about the hot dogs. You should talk about the smells, and that will take further deeper. But that one little detail that I gave, he says, I got on my phone, stopped listening to you, and Googled, when did Atlanta get a new stadium? Right, and, uh, and so for many of you know, the 96 Olympics was in Atlanta, and they built the stadium for the Olympics. And afterwards, the Braves would take over that stadium. And so uh, I say that to go, when you're reading a story, you can get further and further and deeper into the details. But then there are details that quickly make questions come up. Uh, then all of a sudden you can get lost and you go, well, what is what is that? And what about this? How many of you read the Bible and sometimes you're able to track with the stories and then other times you're like, when did they build a new stadium? <laughs> or just me? Or just Aaron? Uh, anyway, and, and uh, uh, th- this guy's got a list of questions after every service. And I, I love it. And and that's why even small groups are important for us as we dive into things that are far more important uh, Difficult and and, and deep in their meaning as we uh, have uh, only a short period of time, once a week to dive into some of the most important things that have ever been written in human history. That's why they went viral for as long as they have and why we study them and look at them. And, and so we don't have the time. So small groups are the way in which um, uh, we get together. We wrestle with that. Sometimes you'll find yourself getting lost in the sermon. And so you got you to gotta begin to pray, God, give me focus. If the enemy tries to distract you or, 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 or maybe just your flesh, man, I'm Tired. This seat is uncomfortable. I, I want more coffee. Man, the coffee was cold for some reason this morning. There was one. I found that just a minute ago. There was cold coffee. Anyways, and and yet your mind will take you in many different places, and so you have the responsibility. I will use every trick and tip and skill that I have naturally and learned, and I'll try to use that to pull you into the story. But your heart should be, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God illuminate for me what you want me to hear and see and receive. Amen. And so this isn't my responsibility alone. This is your responsibility to be ready to dine and eat with the Lord as we serve for you the word of God. Get your forks ready and get ready to eat. Amen. And so in this particular passage, I tell that story to let you know that you'll read this passage and your mind will constantly go, wait, what about this? Wait, what about that? And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna read it in its entirety, trying to just be uh, engulfed in the words of Jesus. I didn't realize how emotional I would get when he prays. I pray for those not just here now, and then you realize that you have been inserted into the scriptures. Like this one time, oftentimes I say to you that the Bible is not written to you, but it is for you. Yeah. Right? Because some of these letters aren't addressed specifically to you. I mean, there is a book named Samuel in there. And so uh, I got a book, but I'm not by you. Right? But like, it's not specifically written to you, but it's for for you but then you get to this part and Jesus who knows all things beginning and end says this line I pray not just for those here but those who will believe because of them and yet that's you and I who have heard the words of John who was standing right there who would write this book and he writes this so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name he leaves for us and yet we read that and we should be engulfed in that and, and go on the journey that this prayer takes us and, and just begin to meditate. I would encourage you uh, and I would challenge you and, and, and maybe, maybe you can share this on social media and make sure you tag us at SYV Crossroads Church. <laughs> and, and you share this, you go, man, I'm, pr- I'm praying the prayer of Jesus today. Man, what if we begin to change the culture that we actually made people realize that this is actually the Lord's prayer three of you over here thank you I just dedicated your family I didn't even get in it come on right Right. and 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 yet uh, what if what if every day this week and next week and the week after you just begin to open this and what if what if you hit pause on trying to get through the new testament in a year you you won't do it you're like challenge accepted how it tricked you and uh, and yet once you put pause on everything else and what if every day you got up and you read john 17 and you and you didn't leave it to sunday morning where you have someone else hand feed you because because here's the here's the beautiful thing right like a baby nursing is cute a grown man is disturbing (laughs) amen like I didn't think there was as much in, as enthusiasm as there should have been in that one. Right? Like that, that's disturbing, right? Like That's the reality is as you are young, when you are hungry, you look for someone to feed you. But as you mature and you get older, you don't look for someone to feed you. You look for something to eat. So what I want to do is feed you. The Bible says that I'm supposed to feed you, feed my sheep. But he never says how much. Right. And so I'm convinced that an appetizer for a child is a full meal, but for an adult, it simply arouses the appetite. And so what I hope to do for you over the next few weeks is arouse your appetite, stir you to hunger. And if you are new in faith, it will be a full meal. And you'll be like, I need someone to help me. Right. Like that was a lot. Okay. And, and then for others, Man, it's going to stir you to hunger. And I pray your maturity, you will find maturity. You will, and then through help from others, you'll find the skills and abilities to go hunting for yourself. Amen there's resources for that the Bible Project's a great resource for that I don't know how often I send out new videos I would say I would encourage you uh, if you're a video visual person uh, we talk about this in our small groups the C.S. Lewis uh, doodles are absolutely incredible Um, uh, if you're familiar you've you've, some of you have heard of C.S. Lewis right right okay so c.s lewis mere christianity all the times i recommend the book but people don't read it and uh come on and and yet if you don't want to read you can watch the doodles which is like the bible project where they read out the works of c.s lewis and it's christian philosophy like some of these big questions that come up from texts like this well what about this because here's what we're going to read in this passage you're going to see the the personal triune god of the bible on display the father the son and the spirit and the three are one uh, blessed. Trinity where do we get that idea and so uh, even the idea of a personal God C.S. Lewis will break that down from a philosophical standpoint that how this even makes sense from our perspective not even using the Bible but using just philosophy and 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 really helping us understand how the world works and how God has given us a mind that helps us and gives us glimpses into who he is and insights where we can understand him so that's a resource and a tool C.S. Lewis is doing doodles and they will illustrate as they read they will illustrate and draw pictures and all of us like pictures amen and some of you wish the bible had some pictures so here you go and uh um and so uh, in this, you got to go hunting, and I would encourage you to begin this week to start in John 17, almost like a mini-series inside of the Gospel of John. Jesus' earthly ministry has been up until this point. This is the pivotal time where he's going to say in this particular passage, and you could put the, the text on the screen, it says that when he lifted, uh, when he spoke these words, he lifted up his eyes and said, Father, the hour has come come now in other parts of the passage he would say listen and uh, my hour has not yet come this is not the time for me he he is healing and he's doing ministries he's preaching and yet people are confused about who he is but now there's come this pivotal time this this uh this this Uh, this crossroads that they are at where Jesus is going to completely flip, turn upside down the perspective of the disciples and what they believe Jesus is there to do. And so after this prayer, this will be right before Jesus is betrayed and arrested. And this is going to be uh, the the last words that they're going to hear from Jesus before he is put on trial and he is taken away. And then ultimately they're going to Hear and see and know of his crucifixion and his burial. And it won't be till after the resurrection that they're able to even put some of these things together. You ever have a conversation with somebody or overheard a conversation and you didn't quite know, but then you experienced it or something happened, you're like, oh, wait a second, that's what they were talking about. Jesus says this I say these things to you now you don't understand what it means that's some of the passages we read last week he says but at that hour when you see me raised is what he's alluding to then you will know and then you will remember all that I've said to you then the puzzle pieces will come into play because ultimately all of this depends the linchpin is the resurrection of Jesus none of it paul will make this claim in 1st corinthians 15 that if christ has not been raised then all of our faith is futile it it, it means nothing and so uh there was uh, there was this idea or this old song that used to sing at at my my church and it, it almost was a heretical song that it was called I choose to be a Christian it was like even if this didn't happen I would still live this way and, and actually that's completely the opposite of what the Bible says that that our behavior our posture our beliefs the structure of how we handle our finances our family and, and ultimately our future is dependent on the belief that we believe Christ came at God in the flesh he he lived, he died, but he rose again. And that changes everything. That's why this is called news and not advice. This is something that's happened, and we still wrestle with the implications of this news. So Jesus says, The hour has come. This means something is shifting. The hour has come. And then he makes this statement Father, he prays, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Verse 3, and this is eternal life, that they know you are the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent now think about when you're just even reading this particular passage in just these three verses we're going to go father the hour has come mine goes off right just like this story I was telling you like wait a second there's a new stadium right the hour what does he mean by hour okay then you're going to say glorify your son that the son may glorify you what does glory mean all of a sudden, your mind goes to somewhere else. You have to wrestle with, what does he mean the hours come? What does he mean by glory? And then ultimately, as you know, the story progresses, how is this glorious? Glorify your son that the son may glorify. Since you have given him authority, next time my mind goes off, wait, new stadium, right? Authority over all flesh what does he mean by flesh and what does he mean by all flesh and authority over it what type of authority then he says the authority then goes on to all flesh that to give eternal life what is eternal life now my mind goes again now I got to deal you see with just three verses alone I have to deal with what is glory what is the authority of Christ and what does eternal life actually mean are you ready right? Like this is where we together have to wrestle with the text. You have to dive in. You have to get ready to eat. You got to get ready to hunt. You got ready. You got to get your, your tools and and your knives and and your hunting utensils. You got to get the things ready to gear up for the hunt. That is what is the glory of God, right? Because glory is a thing in our culture. Glory is something we think about. I think the closest thing to glory that we have or what is a counterfeit of glory is fame. Amen, right? Like fame. Fame is a thing. Why? Fame is where we draw our attention and then you ask the question, why are they famous? You ever ask that question about our current celebrity culture why why are they famous again what do they do what skills do they have what have they done and even think of that contrast in our culture when what fame is and you ask the question are they deserving of such attention are they deserving of that kind of fame What have they done? What skills? And so then the the question of worthiness and value of what you give your attention to. This idea of glory is also tied to worship, and worship is is tied to our attention. See, everyone worships. Everyone worships. People may say they're not religious, and, and, and yet they worship sports because their attention is always tied. They worship the ocean. They, they, they worship creation. They can't not do even uh, normal tasks. They can get distracted by their hobbies, by their cravings. Are you with me? By their addictions because worship is about being so fixated on something that your, your life begins to revolve around. You, you turn a blind eye to everything else and you just begin to revolve around that thing, whatever that thing is, what, whatever you have your attention center on. Is it money? Is it fame? Is fame itself? Is getting attention from others the thing that you revolve your life around? Is it the new job? Is it the relationship? Is it the spouse? Is it the idea of the spouse? Because when you really got to know the spouse, you. Know. <laughs> Love you, baby. right? like what is it that your life begins to revolve around and you have answered the question of what you worship or what you glorify what you maximize in your life so then wrapped up in attention focus drive dreams is the idea of glory in the ancient world this would this would come through warfare and conquering right no guts no glory man for the glory of the empire to to for for the attention for the renown of what we will do to make us known see glory is about attention glory is about seeing value and and gravitating towards and then here's where we have to go is like that that makes sense and it seems ethereal and it seems maybe even ancient the idea of glory and maybe fame and you go man I I don't really I don't really like care about fame I'm not trying to get famous some of you are right and 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 yet uh, everyone in our culture, if you asked a child, like, what do you want to be when they grow up? They now say a YouTuber, right? Like, <laughs> no, right? Like, it, like I, I want to be TikTok famous, right? Like, I'm going to ring your clock if you say that again, right? Like, no. R- like, yet, n- most of us go, man, that's not me, but let's deduce that down because all theology as C.S. Lewis would say is practical it it lives in a practical state and so when we think about let me let me deduce this down I was having a conversation with a buddy yesterday and, and we began to deduce this down to this idea of of see glory and gratitude are so uniquely tied right and and, and here's how when you say I want to give glory to God one of the first things is you say I want to give I want to give thanksgiving and gratitude towards God for what he's given me right are you following me and so glory and gratitude are uniquely tied now think about all the times that you wish someone thanked you I'll wait right were well, you ever you ever felt underappreciated, mom? Oh yeah. Right? Hey, Amen. Yeah. Right, like baby, I appreciate you. I never, I never uh, not, you know, right. I'm always saying no, no, no. Like we have this moment moments in our lives where we want to feel as though we have been appreciated. We feel as though we have value. We feel as though we've brought something to the table. We've done something. We've given something. And now we would like to be thanked for that something. Oh, no. Someone say amen because you know I'm telling the truth. And see, think about the times you say thank you. Say all the time. Think about all the times you speak well graciously with gratitude towards something and then you speak the renown of something maybe you just happen to be sitting at your local brewery or maybe you're sitting at your local tasting room or maybe you're at your local coffee shop whichever analogy that you want to use and yet you take a sip and you go "Mm, they do it right here Right. Here's that like, oh, <sighs> the notes. Right. Hmm. You getting that tobacco. They put tobacco in there. Right. Like uh, that's a joke. Anyways, uh, that's the next crowd. OK. Uh, you're like, man, this coffee is so good, man. Crossroads coffee. Which one are you pick Crossroads or Kona? That's what I want to know. Just give it to me. Cross- yeah. Uh, which one's better? Yeah keep singing its renown keep telling it just keep it singing its praises like and let everyone else know which brand you got man i love the good seed right like or, or i love coffee cabin i love starbucks i i, I love uh Southside. i love fig mountain i love firestone i love brick barn i love how just just come on we're talking to the culture today amen Right, what happens when you enjoy something? You begin to speak its renown. You quickly go, man, this is good, right? And then you tell other people about it. And then they'll say, no, 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 you, you, don't, you don't even know, right? You amateur, right? <laughs> like, no, that's not your spot, right? Like, and then think, think about even how, when we enjoy something it goes to the glory of the person who made it okay that this is why we have a culture of celebrity chefs and and, and why you even know who Gordon Ramsay is right and we got a guy in the valley who beat Bobby Flay come on glory to God right yeah think about it and what what are they actually doing they're taking raw materials and they're creating something that then you enjoy to the glory of the winemaker. Right? To the glory of the winemaker. To the glory of the chef. And then all of a sudden we applaud. We, we, we thank them. We say, this is so good. And we begin to tell others about them. See, that's how glory works. Glory deduces down in a way of going, someone has given me something that's brought joy and enjoyment and somehow it rolls past the moment. Now here's what we're supposed to do as believers. See, Romans 1 says that people have traded the truth of God for a lie, and they would rather worship created things than the creator God. So here's what happens. They just begin to look at the raw materials and begin to worship, the, the, and worship meaning attention around and it never goes past but here's what the believer is supposed to do all of these things we're supposed to enjoy this life better than anyone else why because it's to the praise of the one who created these things see it doesn't stop with the glass of wine it doesn't stop with the bite of filet mignon or hummus and tortilla chips for the vegans It doesn't stop there. It rolls into praise and glory of the one who brought joy to the moment. You're sitting there, you go, man, I just got to thank the chef. Give my compliments to the chef. I just got to say, thank you for what they've given to me. And then Jesus is going to say this, the hour has come. Father, glorify your son that I may glorify you and can i tell you that what he's going to do doesn't look like joy the passage before this he's actually going to say sorrow is going to come the world will rejoice sorrow will fill your heart but your your sorrow will soon turn to joy and no one will be able to take it from you friend The joy of the Lord is to the glory of God. You want to glorify God? Enjoy Him and all that He has brought to you. What has He brought to you? His Son, Jesus, who lived and died on our behalf. The glorious, the beautiful, brutal, bloody cross, the place where our life should center around, where our attention should be, where our thanksgiving should be, where we ponder the cross and we thank you for giving me life through your death. I'll focus on that. I'll give attention to that. I'll give glory and thanksgiving that somehow in the mind of God, could you imagine? I mean, they think war is about to happen. That's why Peter's going to draw a sword shortly after this statement. Glory, now's the hour. Glory's coming. Glory comes. No guts, no glory. And yet the glory of the Son of God is the sacrificial gift of his life. No greater love does someone have than to lay their lives down for their friends. Do you know what's glorious? The son of God gave his life for you. You know what's worthy of attention and fame and glory? No one but King Jesus. And yet our lives, we get so distracted about what we want to glorify and what we want to revolve around. And yet standing before us is the crucified Son of God. And He did all of this in order to bring glory to the Father. What does that mean? The Father set out a plan from the beginning of time. From the garden to the cross. This has always been the plan where eden meant unadulterated pleasure this is for your good and we thought we had a better plan you go i would never be like adam you're like adam every day when you decide your plan is better than his plan and yet the plan has always been to bring us back to redeem us to give us joy to give us goodness goodness and for us to see the glory of God will result in the good of others. See, that's why we have the statement we have. Because if we live lives that have our attention and our worship and our lives begin to revolve around the beautiful, brutal cross of Jesus Christ, I can tell you that at the center of your life will be sacrifice. Do you know the the movies that we put in front of us tend to be about great sacrifice and we applaud it and we give nominations and and we give give Oscars for those who, who tell a story of great sacrificial suffering for others. It's the story that speaks to the heart more than any other story. Why? Because they're merely glimpses of the one true story. The glory of God. The Westminster Catechism says this, if man has an end, if you have a purpose, friend, your purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So you know what the world is looking for? Joy. Do you know where joy comes from? Enjoyment. And you know how they hear about it? Because we're rejoicing. We're going, he's good. I know. I've experienced. Come and see that the Lord is good. See, the world's looking for joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so then, friend, today when you leave here decide no matter what your circumstance is God has brought things and people into your life for your joy for your enjoyment and it will change your mindset when you begin to in your home around your children with your spouse with your friends I'm thankful for this you know why because God has given me I'm thankful for you. Why? Because God brought you into my life. I'm thankful for this. And all of a sudden, this attitude of gratitude and this pocket of peace begins to form. It's not a bubble, friend. It's a dome. It's a fortress. And the Bible says that our God is a strong tower that the righteous run into and are saved. You know what the best thing we can do for a dying world is show them heaven on earth. And heaven on earth is those who have life that death can't stop, knowing Jesus, the one whom God sent on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God, hidden in the love of the Father through Christ Jesus. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for everything you've done for us. I thank you for this prayer that you've left for us. I think you'd help us over the next few weeks dive into the implications. I pray that your words live and illuminate in our hearts. I pray that hungry people will go hunting. Help us as mature believers, help those who are weak in faith, new in faith. Help us teach one another to hunt, to gather food from your scriptures, for man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Teach us to hear the words of God. Teach us to read and meet with Jesus every single day. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your life and your sacrificial death, and we rejoice in the resurrection. So let everything we say and do bring glory to you and good to this valley. And everyone said, amen. Will you give Jesus one more hand clap of praise?